Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for being able to worship you today. I thank you for being present wherever we are right now. God, I pray that you will speak through me into the hearts and minds of all of us, really. And I pray that you'll help us to, to move um, who we are to become more like you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, my name is Alex Rosa. I'm the Family Life Pastor here at New Life, and I'm really excited to be able to be talking to you in this series called If I Had a Do-Over. Now, I will say that I was supposed to talk last week, but Pastor Chris filled in, and he's actually done a really great job kicking off this series for the first three weeks. He talked about being a new creation and talked about fasting and accountability. All of them were great, and I just really appreciate him stepping in for me last week when I tested positive for COVID. Our whole family was really sick, and I appreciate your cares, your thoughts, your concerns, as a lot of you were praying for, for us and reached out to us and let us know. And, and even some of you guys brought us food and stuff. Very kind. Thank you so much. We're feeling a lot better now. It's been, it's been a little crazy. We got pretty sick there. Even the boys got sick, and, and so I'm just so thankful that we're feeling better, and I'm able to be talking with you today in this series. And as I think about this series, if I had a do-over, what goes in my mind is this. I've made mistakes, and I'd love for us all to learn from them. I've made mistakes that I'd love for us all to learn from. Honestly, most of my messages come from that place where God has taught me something in my life where I did it wrong and then he showed me the right way. And I just want to impart that knowledge so some other people don't have to fall into the same pitfalls that I did. As we go through this series, I think it's really important for us all to acknowledge that we can grow as people. If, if we acknowledge this, that we are not perfect and that we all have room to grow, we'll be able to take the most out of this series and really the most out of life. It's really important for us to be able to look in the mirror and not in a way that's like tearing ourselves down, but it's important for us to look in the mirror and say, okay, where can I grow? Where can I look more like Jesus? Where can my life get better? And then acknowledge those areas and grow from them. I actually learned this being a fan of basketball. I'm a huge fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and one of the, the best players that was on the team for a long time, LeBron James, won a championship for the team in 2016, which was pretty awesome. LeBron James, every summer, would make sure that he would pick one part of his game that wasn't that good. Now, he was winning MVPs when I remember reading this article. He was in the midst of winning MVPs. He was going to the finals, but still, every summer, he would pick something about his game, whether it was free throw shooting or three-point shooting or passing, whatever, and he would say, I want to get better at that this summer, post-up game, and then the next year, you would see him actively better at that, and it was really cool for me to hear that from someone that was on such a pinnacle of his profession to say, I still have ways to grow, and in our lives, I think it's important for us to have that same mentality. Where can we grow? Today, what we're going to be talking about, some areas where I messed up and I'd like to do better at going forward, is in the area of relationships, specifically three areas. The first one we're going to be talking about is friendships, the second one is family, and the third one is dating or marriage relationships, depending on where you are. And ultimately, before we go too far, I would love to, to tell you what my take-home point is. Our take-home point today, it's the one point that I'm trying to make that the whole message is going to be about, is this. To succeed in relationships, we must be selfless. To succeed in relationships, whether they're friendships, or they're a dating relationship, or they're in our family, we must 
be selfless. And when we're selfless in our relationships, it does a couple things. First of all, it honors God. It honors God in all of our relationships, and it pleases Him. And He's the selfless God that is sacrificed for us. So it honors God, and it also serves the people that we're in a relationship with. It helps them, and then it ultimately makes our relationships more rich. So it's kind of funny to say, like, being selfless ultimately comes back and helps us because it makes our relationships better, but it does. Unfortunately, though, and you know this, as people, selflessness doesn't come as easy as selfishness. Most of the time, what we do when we make a decision is we think about how it affects us first, and then we go out from there. We maybe go me first, and then maybe the people around us, and then maybe God, or maybe me first, and then God, and then the people around us. But a lot of times, we focus on us. And that's been that way since the beginning of time. When God created Adam and Eve, they were in the garden. It was perfect. He said, you can do whatever you want except eating from this one tree. And then they go and they eat from that one tree. They disobey God. And it wasn't because Adam and Eve were stupid. It was because Adam and Eve were selfish in that moment. They believed that they deserved more than they got, that there was more out there for them. And so they wanted to go and get it. And they ended up making a poor decision that hurt their relationship with God and then eventually hurt other relationships down the road. And the more selfish we are, the more relationships we will hurt. And so today, as we go into talking about these, I do want to just say that not all of our relationship problems will be fixed during this message. I would love for that to be the case, but I know that relationships are messy and they're not easy. And so if you have more issues after this message, and I hope that God is going to provide some answers for some of the struggles that you're going through. But if there's more that you need, there's no shame in asking for help. We're warring against pride during this message. And so if during this message there's a relationship that you need prayer for, just use that prayer button. Someone will pray with you right now as we're talking. We would love to, to pray over our friendship or your marriage or whatever it is that you are struggling with. If you want to sign up for a marriage mentor, you can do that by following the connect button by going to newlifexn.org slash connect. There's, again, no shame in looking for help. If your marriage needs more help, go and find it. God wants to, to make your marriage the best it possibly can be. If you're going through a loss or you're going through a very difficult time, you need to reach out and ask for a Stephen minister, someone to walk through a difficult time with you. They would love to do that. There is help here and there's no shame in getting help. Again, it's that, that's that way that we're going to grow by acknowledging that we need to get better in some form, in some relationship. So to start us off, we're going to talk about friendships. Now, the God's Word has this amazing story. It's one of my favorite stories about friendships. It's about these two dudes named Jonathan and David. Now, to set the story up, David was a guy that was chosen to be the next king. God chose him and said, you're going to be the next king. However, there was a current king. His name was Saul, and he had a son Jonathan. Now, normally, Jonathan would be the prince, and he would be in line to be the king next. However, God didn't see it that way. He wanted David to be the next king. Now, normally, you would think that those two people would fight, the one that was supposed to have the throne and the one that was going to get the throne. But instead, God's word says that they became like brothers, that they were best friends, that they watched out for one another, and they loved one another. And it's this really cool story of two people being selfless in this, where Jonathan could have had so much anger against David, so much jealousy, but instead 
He loved him as a brother. Eventually, though, the king, who did not have the same love for David, wanted to kill David so to stop him from being king. He didn't want him to be usurped anytime soon, so he thought the best way to do that was just to kill the person that was supposed to be king. So he set his plan into motion, and quickly David found out that he was going to get killed. So he ran off, and then he went and found Jonathan, and they had a discussion about this. And David's like, Jonathan, your dad's going to kill me. And Jonathan's like, no, man, my dad loves you. It's perfectly fine. You play the harp for him. He thinks you're great. He's not going to kill you. And David's like, no, I'm telling you. You can go back and check. But he wants to kill me. And in this discussion, we see in 1 Samuel chapter 20, Jonathan ends up making a vow of friendship to David. He says this, Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, saying, may the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again. For David loved David, or Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. So Jonathan, he would go back to his dad to make sure that David was right, to make sure that Saul did want to kill David. And when it was abundantly clear, Jonathan had said, oh yeah, David went home to be with his family. Saul flipped out. He actually threw a spear at his son because he was so mad because he wanted to go and kill David that Jonathan went and once again went to David and reaffirmed their friendship and then allowed David to escape. He said, you know what? Your life is more important. I'm going to risk my life in this moment because if his dad caught him, surely he would have been dead as well. And instead, he risks his life and he risks his throne. He said, you know what? My throne's not that important. Our friendship is, and he let him go. And it's just amazing to me because if Hollywood takes this story, they would take it and they would pit these friends against each other and they would have them fighting the whole movie and eventually maybe they would say, you know what? Our friendship was more important. And Hollywood probably do it over a job or over at a girl, and then eventually, yeah, the friends would be like, you know what, our friendship was more important. Why didn't we see that? But we skip to the end of that story. They don't even have to deal with that conflict because Jonathan and David loved each other. And Jonathan really shows us the way to be a good friend. To be a good friend, you must put their needs first, no matter the cost. He was really good at that. Now, me, one of the areas that I wish I would have had to do over, I was not good at this growing up. Specifically, I remember this one time, my friend Hunter was struggling. He had just lost his, his girlfriend. They, they broke up, and it was his first real girlfriend. He was in college. I was in college, too. And, and that's a monumental thing. He was devastated. And I remember coming after class to his dorm room, and I remember punching the code in, and I opened the door, and the lights were off now. It was like three in the afternoon, which wasn't abnormal that the lights were off. Sometimes him and his roommate, Joe, would sleep through classes. But I had to say, uh, Hunter, are you in here? And I heard him say, yes, I'm in here. You can turn on the light. So I turn on the light, and I see my buddy Hunter sitting crisscross applesauce on the top bunk in the dark. And I was like, hey, man, what's going on? Now, if I was more caring, I would realize Hunter is hurting right now. But instead, I just chuckled. Like, what are you doing in the dark, man? And Hunter tells me this story. He tells me that he feels like what he's supposed to do in his life is to start walking to El Salvador. No, I didn't know what I was, where that was at the time, but I did some research, and, and it ends up being pretty far away from us in South America. And he said, I'm going to walk there. And I was like, oh, okay, 
That sounds pretty cool. Now, I should have responded by saying, wow, that sounds kind of dumb. That's super dangerous in maybe a kind way, like asking questions. Are you going to survive? You don't have any money. You don't have a passport. Where are you going to stay? Are you going to be killed by a jungle cat? But instead, I encouraged him. I was like, wow, that sounds pretty awesome. Why are you going there? And he was like, because there's a ministry conference in like six months. I think I can make it in six months. I'm going to buy some boots, going to buy a backpack, and to make it there. And again, in my mind, I'm like, wow, that doesn't sound smart. You probably shouldn't do that. Maybe you should have a plan to do that. Maybe you should go with a group of people. Maybe you should just fly to that conference. But instead, I responded, and I'm not proud of this. I've actually never shared this before. But I responded by encouraging him once again by relating to a movie. I love movies. I love people that, that watch the same movies I do. And I had watched this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie from the early 2000s. And in that movie, Leonardo, the leader of it, went to South America. And he had this like spiritual retreat. And eventually, he came back, joined his brothers, and they beat some bad guys. Probably some information you don't really want to know, but I like the turtles. And I remember telling him, hey, I just watched a movie where the leader, Leonardo, went to South America, got away, and he came back better than ever after the spiritual retreat. Maybe it's like that. You're going to come back better than ever, and you're going to, to lead people, and it's going to be really cool. So good on you. What do you need me to do? And he asked me if I could go help um, tell other people with him. I was like, sure. So I drove him to his parents. He told his parents. His mom cried. His dad yelled at him. And the whole time, I was just like, go ahead, man. Eventually, he would wise up and decide not to make that trip. He didn't have the money, didn't have a passport, didn't know what he was going to do. And eventually, other people talked him out of it. But I didn't. And I think I did it because I was too worried about my relationship with him. I wanted him to, to like me. I wasn't willing to sacrifice in that moment. And, and I, instead, I just put my needs in front of his. I, David was, was going to die, and so Jonathan put everything on the line for his friend. And in my case, I didn't even put a hard conversation on the line. You see, to succeed in friendships, we must be selfless. And in these moments, I wasn't selfless. And so in order for me to grow and for us to grow, I put a couple things down, some action steps that we can be thinking of in our friendships to be selfless. The first one is this. We can rejoice when a friend has success. Instead of being jealous, we can rejoice. Now, again, Jonathan could have been really jealous with David, but instead he rejoiced the fact that God had chose him to be the king someday. We could do that when a friend gets something that, that we want or a job or they just get something new that's really cool instead of complaining about it or instead of hoarding resentment, we can honestly rejoice with them. The second thing, we can mourn with friends when they are struggling. I didn't notice that my buddy Hunter was struggling. If I did, I could have maybe talked some sense into him, but instead I just cared about my feelings over these last 10, 15 days or so, whenever I had COVID, my family did, it was really cool to see people reach out to us. Now, you'd think it'd be annoying to people to, to text every day, how are you doing, how are you doing? But it wasn't. It was just really encouraging for people to help us whenever we were struggling just by reaching out. We felt alone. I mean, you're, you're kind of cut off from the rest of the world, and it was really cool for people to text us, and people dropped off food. Really, really kind. And so let's mourn with those. Let's help those that are struggling. The third one is challenge friends when they're being dumb. It's kind of some plain language, but we all need that sometimes, right? We need our friends to challenge us when we're being dumb, and we should stop our friends from walking aimlessly into South America when they could be killed by a jungle cat. We must 
be selfless in our friendships in order to succeed. Now, friendships are great because you pick your friends, and God brings different friends in your life at different seasons to, to help you, to, to, to make you better, to, to hold you up, to encourage you, all that kind of stuff. But family is harder because you don't choose them. Sometimes you end up in a great family, and sometimes you don't. The first brothers that we hear about in God's word, Cain and Abel, weren't maybe the best brothers, especially in Abel's case, or, or for Abel, rather. Cain was the one that wasn't so good. Let me read a little bit about it to you. It's in Genesis chapter 4. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? Some translations will say, my, bro my brother's keeper. And the answer to that, Cain, is yes. We're not made to live this life alone. We are here and we need other people, but we also must watch after other people. I actually learned this recently from a devotional on the YouVersion app. It's the Bible in one year. It's written by this guy named Nicky Gumbel. He's a priest over in Europe and his wife Pippa adds stuff to it and they have just really charming accents and it's really cool to, to listen to. You could just press play and I listen to the devotionals each morning. And I really like both of them and what they have to say. But on day two, they talk about Cain and Abel. And I thought what he wrote, Nicky Gumbel, was very profound, and I wanted to share it with you. He says, am I my brother's keeper? This is a crucial question for today. Do you have responsibility for others? You will either master sin, now through the power of the cross and resurrection and with the help of the Spirit, or else sin will master you. In Cain's case, it did. He killed his brother. God asked him yet another question. Where is your brother Abel? In response, Cain asked the first question by a human being in the Bible. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain wanted to avoid responsibility. He was saying, do I really have responsibility for anyone other than myself? The biblical answer is that you do have responsibility for others. We cannot exempt ourselves from responsibility for what is happening around us, in our city, nation, and the world. For example, we cannot accept that thousands of children die every day as a result of extreme poverty and simply say, it's not our responsibility. I didn't do this great growing up. I didn't look at my family, at my siblings, as people I had responsibility to, to care for. Honestly, what I did when I was growing up, especially when I was in high school, is I had a mentality of leave me alone. I'm the happiest when my family just leaves me alone, lets me hang out in my room or do whatever I want and doesn't bother me. When my sister asked me to drive her places and when I had my license and she did not yet, I would be so frustrated. No matter if it was five minutes up the road or 30 minutes away, I would just 
be like, no, I don't want to drive you. I'm busy or I just don't feel like it. When my dad would ask me to help out around the house because he pays for everything and provides everything for me, I would complain and say, that's not in my schedule today. Today's a rest day. I want to recoup. I'm so busy. I don't want to help out around the house and I get so mad. I mean, there was even times where I was, when I became a Christian, I would be reading my Bible or I would be praying and my dad would come in and ask me for help with something and I would flip out on him. I would literally swear at my dad for coming in and interrupting my prayer time because I was so inconvenienced and I wanted to be left alone. And it was just this terrible thing to look back on. Honestly, if I could have a do-over with my family, I would take advantage of my opportunity to show my family the love of Jesus. I didn't do that. Time after time, I just was selfish. And sure, I'm not talking about killing my brother. I'm talking about being rude or swearing at my parents or, or just being inconvenienced by them. But it's the same thing that Nikki Gumbel is talking about. And at the end of day two in, in the Bible app in his devotional, he says this, and it really resonated with me. Not only do you have responsibility towards your fellow human beings, but it is your privilege to bring blessing and joy to your friends, family, and all those around you. It's a privilege. And to make a difference in the lives of as many people as possible. Sometimes we can feel like this is a weight. Like, why do I have to care for other people? What's well, a privilege to bring joy and comfort and care and aid to those that are in our lives? Eventually, again, I was in college. I remember I was on Geneva's campus, and I got a text from my brother. And that text said something about how him and his girlfriend at the time had broken up. And maybe I had learned something from my encounter with, with Hunter. But I remember looking at this text, and me and my brother at this point weren't friends. We just didn't get along. I mean, we're twin brothers, and we just fought all the time. I remember getting this text, and he was being honest with me. And I was like, man, I've got to go somewhere. I'm going to go visit a friend right now. I just parked outside of their apartment. And, and I stopped, and I said, you know what? I don't actually want to not be friends with my brother. I want to be friends with him. So I called him up, and we had a really good conversation. And from that moment on, we've been friends. And, and it started with just this one act, and it seemed small of just being like, okay, I'm going to postpone seeing my friend call my brother, and we were able to, to become friends, and we're able to still be friends to this day, where he drove all the way from, from Cranberry just to drop off supplies and medicine for us when we weren't feeling well just last week. And, and I, I love my brother, and I love our relationship, and what I've learned is to succeed as a family member, we must be selfless. I know we're talking about that a lot, but it's just so true. And so I wrote a couple helpful action steps depending on what relationships you're in, because again, family relationships are all different. So the first one is if you are a child. The way that you can succeed by being selfless, and all of these talk about honoring God because we can in our relationships, and it, and it really honestly benefits our lives when we honor God because there's blessings that come forward. But if we are a child, we can honor God by honoring your parents. In the Ten Commandments, one of those commandments talks specifically about this. And it's really cool. So if you have parents in here, listen to this because there's a promise that's attached to this commandment. It says, and this is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. That's awesome. There's a promise with that to honor your parents and that God will give you this long life in the land that he has given you. I think that's really cool. Whenever I was growing up, I wish I stopped this attitude that I had of my parents are so dumb. They don't understand me. 
sooner than I did. I had that attitude, but honestly, now as a parent and, and as I got older, as I entered into college and I had to do adult things and I had to take responsibility for my own actions, I started to realize just how smart my parents are. I mean, the older I get, the, the more I realize how smart they are. And I realized that they would have understood me if I let them, if they, I let them in just a little bit because they, they wanted to care for me. They wanted to help. They wanted to have that privilege of serving me and, and caring for me, but I just wouldn't let them. I wish I could go back and, and have a do-over in that. If you're a sibling, you can honor God by being your sibling's keeper. Now, I'm not saying that their sins are yours, but I am saying that we have a responsibility to care and to protect and to look after our siblings. If you are a parent in here, and, and before I move on real quick, I do want to mention something for, about my siblings. So I have, a, I have a twin brother and a younger sister, and we got picked on growing up. We got picked on a, a little bit. And what would happen is when we would come home after getting bullied at school, we would bully each other. We would fight with each other. And instead of being our sibling's keeper and going to school and being like, hey, you stop picking my brother, or we would go to school uh, with each other, you kind of unified, we would just take it out on one another. And I wish we would have stopped fighting amongst each other and started fighting alongside each other much sooner than I did. Now, if you are a parent in here, the, the next thing is this. Honor God by loving your children as God loves you. God calls us his children. And what did he do? He came and he died. He sacrificed everything so that we could have a relationship with him. So that means as parents, sometimes we're going to have to sacrifice we might not want to. Honestly, this week when Ezra and Joel had fevers and so did me and Rachel, we did not want to say, you know what, okay, let's stay up all night and care for them because we were sick too. But part of our calling as parents is sacrifice, and we're definitely not perfect in that, but it's something that we want to continue to get better at. And, and if we're parents, we got to be willing to sacrifice just as God was willing to sacrifice and care for us. So we've talked about friendships when we've talked about family relationships, and, and now I'd love to talk about this, this third section, which is dating or marriage. And honestly, there's a lot, if I look back at my dating relationships, that I wish I could have a do-over in. Honestly, I remember this one time I, again, in college, man, I did a lot of dumb stuff in college. Wow. Okay, so uh, in college, I was going on a first date, and it was uh, a friend's sister. So I went to go pick this, this girl up, and she was outside of Walmart because her dad wa works at Walmart. So I drive there, and I get excited. I see her standing in front, and I'm like, oh, man, like, this is going to be fun. And so I start waving, and then it hits me that in the Walmart parking lot, there's these things that have, like, grass and trees and curbs, and I should probably be paying attention to the road. And instead, I just wave it, and then I hear, bum, 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 bum. And I just get so embarrassed as this girl is just laughing at me. So I swing over and I do pick her up and she's still laughing. And I'm like, let's go to Eaton Park. It's going to be fun. So we go to Eaton Park and, and I don't know what we ate there. Grilled stick is out of the mode probably. But we eat and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to go up to the front and I'm going to pay the bill. And I go to the front and I realize oh no, I don't have my wallet. And I think, well, maybe it's probably in the car. So I go back to her and I'm like, hey, uh, my wallet's in the car. I'm going to go grab it. I'll come back in and pay just so you know why I'm, I'm out in the car. I'm not, I'm not leaving you. I'm, I'm okay. So I go out to the car and I look, and I'm like throwing things at everywhere. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have my wallet. And so I, I look in and she's done eating at this point. She's waiting at the counter um, to, to wait for me to come back in. And I get her attention by waving. And then I just start telling her to come out. Just come on, 
come on out. And she's like, what? And come on, come on, come on out. And so she finally comes out and she, and I said, let's go. I don't have my wallet. So I get her in the car and I drive her home. Now, I was so embarrassed at this point that I was like, hey, I, I promise I'm going to go get my wallet. I'm going to come back and pay for it after. I just, I, I'm so sorry. This is so embarrassing. This didn't go nearly as well as I wanted it to. And I would go and drop her off. And she invites me to come in and meet her family. So I'm like, wow, this isn't too bad. And so when I invite her in, they say, hey, how did the date go? And she immediately tells a story about how we did not pay and her dad did not necessarily like that, which he shouldn't like that. And so I remember leaving. That relationship did not uh, continue. And I did get my wallet and I did pay. But I do wish I could have a do-over in moments like that. I also wish I could have a do-over in the way that I thought of relationships. When I was single, you know what I did was just worry about being in a relationship. And then whenever I was in a relationship, I got so anxious and jealous and so concerned. What if they break up? What if they hurt me that I just cared about myself? I was very selfish in those moments, and I wish I could have been more selfless. Because to succeed in a dating or in a marriage relationship, we must be selfless. Ultimately, I really wish I would have known something about the four Peace. If I had to do over in anything about my relationships, I would have focused on them. A few years ago, I heard a message by Pastor Mark. It was awesome. Pastor Mark does such a great job, and he talked about the, the four Ps of dating, and he got them from another pastor who probably got them from someone else, and I hope to, to share them with other people because I thought they were very profound. And there are four things written to guys, really in the men's perspective, because in God's word, it says that the guy, the guy is supposed to be the head of the household. So there are four things that guys should do in dating relationships or, or marriage relationships to, to honor God, to be selfless, and to honor the, the woman that they're in a dating relationship with or that they're married. And so guys, I want to share these and I want to encourage you to take some notes because I think they will help you no matter what stage you're in. And ladies, I'd love for you to take some notes on this one too and then hold your guys to these standards. So the four Ps. The first one is this, provide. To provide. So it means don't forget your wallet. Pay for the meal when you're on a date. It means to, to actively find ways to provide for their physical needs, their emotional needs as well. The second one is to protect, to make her feel that she is, is covered, that she's safe, make her feel that you care for her in this way. I remember my wife used to say that it's always an awful thing to, to have someone that you care about allow you to be made fun of, whether it's a dating relationship or a friendship, and it's just so true. So not just like be willing to beat up that guy that looks at her wrong, and maybe be willing to do that, but also to stop the people that are making fun of her and not be the person that's making jokes or allowing those to continue to protect her and her emotions. A third one is proclaim to celebrate who she is and who God's created her to be. Listen, the person that you are dating is a child of God, is a daughter of God, and he made her unique and wonderful and beautiful, and that is to be proclaimed about it, to be talked about, to be bragged about. Let people know how good she is. Let her know how good she is. Proclaim her. Again, she's a child of God. She's one of his precious diamonds that he made that he loves. So let's proclaim her as such. And the fourth one is pursue. As guys, we have the responsibility to go after, to chase after, to make them feel wanted. That's not just in dating. That's in marriage as well. We have to pursue. So those four Ps again, provide, protect, proclaim, and pursue. Ultimately, really, what it is is just putting their needs above your own. 
As we go into God's Word one last time before we end, I want to read something that generally is read at weddings, but I want to tell you that it's not just meant for people that are in weddings. It's actually a letter written by a guy named Paul to a church in Corinth telling people how to interact with one another. And it talks about love. And, and this really can be applied to all the relationships we're talking about today. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Again, we can apply that to dating, to marriage, but we can apply that to all of them, because that's what love is like, and that's what we're supposed to do in our relationships, to love those that we're around. I mean, we're all in relationships. Our lives are really defined by our relationships. So why not be the best we can be, whether it's a sibling or it's as a child or it's as a parent or it's a spouse or it's a boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever it is, let's be the best we could be to honor God, to honor those relationships that we're with, and to ultimately have the most fulfilling relationships we can be. And if we want to do that, if we want to put our minds in the right mindset to go forward, I believe we could do this next step, which says, I will put myself third this week. So when we make a decision to not just think of ourselves first, the first think of God, he's first. Say, how would God respond to this? What would he want me to do? And then think of the other people in our lives. How does it affect them? And then finally, ourselves. If we put ourselves third, that's going to put us in that mindset of selflessness and wherever we're at. Even if we forget some of these points here, we're going to be honoring God and having the most fulfilling relationships we can have. And if you are here today, if you're listening, if you are engaged in this, I hope that I was able to help with any of those relationships. But I do want to tell you that the most important relationship that we can have on this earth is relationship with God. It's so cool because God wants to know you, wants to love you in all of these ways. He wants to love you as a friend. He calls us the bride of Jesus Christ. He wants to love you in that way as, as a spouse. He wants to love you as a parent. He wants to protect you. He wants to proclaim you. He wants to, to be there and mourn for you, with you whenever things are going bad. He wants to rejoice when things are going good. He wants to have a relationship with you on this earth. And if you do not have one, Today, I want to give you an opportunity to accept a relationship with God. Accept him as your Lord, meaning owner, and Savior, meaning rescuer from sin and death. A new life here, we say it's as easy, as simple, rather, as A, B, C. It's, it's saying three things. It's first, A, saying, admitting that we need a Savior. Admitting that God is the one true God. And it's, B, believing in Him as the, the one true God, that Jesus really did come to this earth and die on the cross for, for you and me. Believing in Him as our Savior, as our Lord. And C, confessing our sins, saying, I am a sinner. I've messed up. I have a ways to go. Please refine me into the person that you have made me to be, that you've designed me to be, confessing our need for a Lord and Savior. If we want to get the most out of life, it starts by having this relationship with God, and then it's going to positively affect all of our other relationships, because if we love people like God loves us, it's going to start to, to show in the, the, the relationships that we're in, and it's going to care for those people that, that we already care for. So if you 
have never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm going to say a prayer. And I, I would encourage you to say it alongside me. And you can make it your own words in your head and in your heart. If you already know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you right now to start praying for the people that are, are watching this that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Pray for them to, to make this decision. And if you are making decisions today, just let you know that people are praying for you and that if you make this decision, angels will celebrate that decision because God is so excited to be in a relationship with you. So let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, I thank you for sacrificing to die uh, for us so that we can have this relationship, this opportunity to have our sins forgiven, wiped clean so we can live in eternity here on earth with you and then in heaven with you. I pray that right now, if anyone is in here, anyone is listening that has never given their lives to you as Lord and Savior, that right now they will make this decision, that they will pray this prayer. Dear God, I believe that you are the one true God. Come into my life as my Lord, my owner. Rescue me from my sin and death. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creation. Allow us to enter into a relationship. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we go into the world, whatever it is that we're doing, whatever relationship that we're in, let us honor God by being selfless. Let us go out and stand firm, letting nothing move us. Always remember that when we work for the Lord, when we do things for God, that is never in vain. Amen.